Hello everybody, this is Richie from the Metal Salad Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Eternal Hellcrax to the show. I've got Praetorian and Turret with me, who are the vocals and guitars and drums of the band. Is that correct, lads? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the show, lads. I'm delighted to have you on. Thanks very much, nice. Thanks very much man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm sporting my bad reputation teacher. Yeah, I noticed uh, that all right, yeah. <laughs> and you played Seed. Yeah, we did, yeah. It was uh, the last band on the Friday night. Yes, yeah. that was it, yeah. I think I've seen you there, actually. It was, um, it was a brilliant, brilliant celebration of metal music again, as only the lads can host it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two days this time as well, which was pretty cool. Badly like, needed. You know. Badly needed. Wasn't yeah. it for all of us, like, just to get the spirits up? Oh, yeah, lockdown was tough, I think, and everybody, you know, just like messed with our, pe- our heads where we never thought it could, you know, in different ways. Like it was yes, very, very, true. very strange times. Like, you know, actually, yeah. it's not, it's even even thinking about it now. It's like a blur. Like it's like Isn't it didn't it even weird? happen. Like, yeah. you know, it's and think it's only like what, like a few months ago, really, if you think about it, what was it? January yeah. it lifted or whatever. Yeah, it was just the whole uncertainty of it. But like seeing your name on the bill for the siege, what did that do for you? Oh, it was it was it done a lot. Like, cause I think with during lockdown for a lot of bands, um, people really didn't know whether bands were still going or not, or what was happening True. with bands, or you know, bands didn't even know what to do themselves. Like, and, you know, <laughs> come on like, the podcast. That's what yeah, they did. <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just um, yeah, it was it was great to just even put. Once the once the the poster went up, like lots of people were messaging and stuff saying like, "Oh, geez, I'm glad to see you are still going." Like, because there was quite a lot of bands like kind of packed it in or just, you know, even even like sure you couldn't even record really or anything unless you were doing mm. kind of home recordings and stuff like that. And I'm not really Very a big true. fan of that for professional albums, you know. So right, you know, okay. we done we done like a lot of the, a lot of the kind of demo versions of all the songs just to make sure we're happy, you know, because. Mm. Obviously, with just one guitarist at the moment, you know, it was easier to just layer everything, you know, as we were kind yeah, of going of in course. the house, you know. But yeah, um, yeah it, it, like, it was only really when lockdown ended kind of thing that we could actually go in and properly record the album, you know. Yeah, so we'll get to that. But I just kind of want to bring you back to the siege in relation to maybe uh, deciding on a set list, first of all. And yeah. how many rehearsals had you before you hit the stage that Friday night. It's not that many actually we threw together Jesus, pretty quick. Yeah, that was that was a real slap up job. Like, you know, it was kinda like <laughs> it was kinda like just yeah, we just we wanted to kind of get as much of the new songs on it as possible. Like, you know, but um, yeah. even with that, like I think there was only like what three out of six, I think. I think okay. anyway, you know. Right. Um so it was kind of like, yeah. And rehearsing, I mean we we mostly rehearsed on like the electric kit, like with the the amps quite low you know because okay. it was pretty much the only way we could really rehearse at the time so it was a bit like um and yeah, was, it was on, bit... did all of you make the rehearsals was oceans with you yeah right through that yeah well? he was okay. with us as well so yeah like luckily we all live like really close kind of thing you know like um we're like a like a 10 minute walk from each other kind of thing so no it way works out grand, you know in that sense you know yeah we so flying the flag for Kiavan. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, just in case anybody didn't know. <laughs> uh, it's got a rich music history, Kevin. Some good yeah. guys there came through. So, no, that's um, it. Yeah, like there's there's always kind of there's always kind of musicians popping up and playing in different bands and stuff like that from Kevin. So. Yeah. I was talking to Ronan there, he gave me the heads up about you, Ron from Ten Ton Slug, obviously, and he told yeah. me that you've 
even new recording um, both released and I was going oh that's class and he just goes will you just ask the lads even though they're from Dublin how did they move to Kiavan <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't mind for Ronan just fill in that side of of the podcast for him maybe you can get this one I don't know the family just moved up years ago and came along with it to see what it was like up here and ended up settling and you moved from swords is it yeah yeah Okay, and what, what age were you then, lads? Yeah, he was about 16 or 17, I think. I was around that age, oh, you know? I was around 18 then. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that, was, was a big, that was a big move for you, like. Yeah. That's a sharp contrast, first of all, socially, I would imagine. Just, yeah. Well, um, Swords in general was a small town, kind of, when we were there, you know? It's, yeah. It used to be separate to the airport. These days, nearly, it's, it's a part it of the airport. Yeah. It's just after mm. swallowing... That all the fields mm. that were in between, you know, so True, it was yeah. pretty much a smallish town when we were there, you know. So even though you were quite close to Dublin, it was still kind of had that small town kind of feel to it, you know. Yeah. But it's, uh, I mean, I was working in Sword, so I know about it because I was living in Ratfarnham. So yeah. I had to commute from Ratfarnham to Swords yeah. every day, man. It was a fucking nightmare on that <laughs> yeah. M50. I agree. Yeah, it was a small town, but now it's just kind of been sucked into the hole in a, kind of in every direction as well it's yeah. just like you know the amount of uh, even companies setting up buildings there and stuff is just nuts compared to what it was you know yeah so you were into metal i presume at that early age oh god yeah yeah it's earlier again yeah yeah jeez i think i think like the first album i got was like um Guns and Roses Appetite for Destruction. I was only about seven or eight at that stage, and it just got kind of <laughs> okay. heavier and heavier since then. Like you know, yeah, yeah, you know. So yeah, there's, it was. There's John Kenny on Two FM. There's Headbangers Ball on MTV. Of course, yeah. back yeah. when we growing up, there's actually a better selection of, met- of shows and radio to listen to for metal. There was. You're spot on. Yeah. So yeah, I used to sit there every night with Headbangers Ball, recording my favorite videos and tape and stuff, and our noisy mm. mothers as well. You know. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Remember getting the full like. Uh, Megadeth's Euthanasia album, like, because it was number one for so long. Like, I think I recorded every single song off the radio when it was on, like, you know, the, the old tape decks, you know, yeah, you push the two buttons down. And, you know, and pretty much, that's pretty much how we got all our music. Like, you heard, like, yeah. even bands like At The Gates and stuff like that for the first time on there. Dayside, and and Dayside When, yeah, when you like, think of it, like, I mean, even getting those albums, not to mind trying to think about trying to see them, but just yeah. getting the albums alone and then suddenly you know you're looking at dublin and these bands are starting to trickle through more yeah. often and the scene starts rising then suddenly and you know i mean i was on about onto pat clancy shout out to pat he posted obituaries because of death today and he said that's like 32 years old i think Jesus, scary, going, isn't it? <laughs> it is scary yeah because me and pat were at them in nancy spain's yeah it's mental like lads it's just like a blur yeah but like when you had the likes of obituary coming to cork that changed it for everybody you know yeah i'd say so though yeah it opened it up big time um because us lads never had the money to get across to london or festivals to see these guys yeah mm. no i was even sure remember even like back in the day like like you'd buy an album and your friend would buy an album and the two of you buy like fucking tapes and you'd be recording like because a 45 minute albums fitted perfectly on one side of a 90 minute tape so you'd have two albums on each tape but correct but back in the day like yeah that's that's what you had to do like because nobody could afford Mm. albums as well like they were pretty expensive kind of by the amount of money that you were 
kind of could make or whatever compared to the price of them, you know? And, yeah, I don't know what um, they still are. Yeah, that's it, like, you know. <laughs> so but, what um, bands were you in at the time? Had you formed any bands in Dublin or was that later when you moved to Cavan? Well, there was a, the, we were in, uh, we moved to Wexford for a little while in between, actually, you know, uh, just from when we were in our teens kind of thing, you okay. know. And we kind of played in a few bands, but nothing really worth kind of mentioning as such, you know, okay. like it was mostly just kind of, yeah, kind of, I don't know, just like mostly just Slayer covers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. Metallica covers and this kind of stuff, you know, yeah. um, Sapultura covers as well. I think that was about the height of, I can't actually think of any of the other bands, but yeah. And were both of you always guitars, drums or? Yeah, pretty yeah. much actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I played bass a little bit here and there, but not really. So how did uh, Primal Dawn work out? Or Yeah, Jesus, great. Actually, you know, the time in that band was brilliant, you know, really enjoyed it, like, you know, and yeah. And how was, did you meet the lads, or? Uh, it was actually, I was living with Paddy Kennedy at the time, you know, okay. uh, in Dublin. Um, uh, it was, the, yeah, we are sharing an apartment and stuff, and uh, yeah, he needed a guitarist for a gig or whatever I think it was or no it was actually yeah I was living with Niall Dolan who was in Sinister Demise as well you know oh, cool so yeah. I ended up uh, Sinister Demise needed a guitarist you know uh, at the time so I kind of filled in for a while with him and then um, yeah then it was kind of Paddy asked me kind of could I do I want to be the guitarist in Primal Dawn and yeah I kind of just said yeah fuck it why not like you know <laughs> Biggest problem, I can't say fucking no to these things. I just say, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much how it all started, you know, and then just we kind of start writing stuff and, yeah, mm-hmm. ran out. What was it called? Z-Lot as well. And, yeah, then from then it was just like loads of gigging and stuff like that, you know. And a great scene back then. Yeah, oh, it really was, yeah. There was some yeah. quality bands like Mass mm. Extinction and stuff. There was a few bands like that that I used to love seeing live. Like they always put on such a show, such high energy kind of gigs. Yeah, they're they're always name checked on the show, especially yeah. with, with the lads Corey and Jason, for example. Now yeah. they did they name check them. And what about drumming for you, Tyrish? Were you in other bands? Not really, not in the metal scene. I do mm. a lot of other work, kind of cover band work and wedding work and stuff like that. So. That's always going to get me busy. Right. Okay. But yeah, not, unfortunately not in the metal scene, not as much as I'd like. When did G decide then to kickstart Eternal Hellcorax? Seven years ago. Jesus, yeah, it was a long <laughs> while ago. Jesus. I the think your demo thing... was out in 2008, would you Yeah, believe? the first demo was 2008. And I remember it was even nearly like four years before that, like we were kind of talking about it and writing riffs and stuff like that. But... I just everyone was so insanely busy all the time. It was impossible to get like anything going kind of thing, you know, between everybody. And I lived in Dublin and the lads lived in Cavan and it was kind of it was all over the shop. But it was only about 2007 we actually kind of got together, properly wrote it, released it. And then everything kind of started. We kind of start getting more gigs and stuff like that. And then from then it was just like, yeah, it was really from like the two whatever end album onward or release onwards that things really started kicking off, you know? Yeah. And Praetorian, you obviously had a load of contacts in Dublin in relation to that scene. So yeah. you you probably got a lot of help maybe with maybe studio yeah. time and... It was mostly uh, mostly gigs and stuff like that. Okay. Like uh, Dara from Invictus, especially H as well. Um, nice one. And yeah, like uh, P, uh, Peter that works with 
DME as well. Like, you Peter know, of course, we're very good friends with him, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, between like a couple of the guys and stuff like that, we ended up just like, yeah, playing loads of kind of uh, loads of bands that you would have listened to for years and stuff like that. And you would never have even thought of like they'd, they'd even come to Ireland, let alone play with them and stuff like that. So yeah. that was really exciting, you know, like um, bands like Shining and stuff like that, you know, like that, like. Um, they were a big influence, and, I'd say. You know, yeah, 1349 and, you know, like loads of bands like that. It was just great to even just see them live, let alone play with them at the time and stuff like that. So it was great, yeah, in that sense. And I mean, looking back at that time, what about, we'll say, travelling? Did you do much travelling outside of Dublin for gigs? I, I know you played Urban Assault, but that was a good bit later on. Yeah, uh, there wasn't really, actually. We played Cork once, I think, with Shining, wasn't it? And oh. other than that, uh, yeah, there was... Um, yeah, there was like Edinburgh and stuff like that, you know. There was a okay, few UK um, gigs, yeah, like. a few shows like that, you know. Um, but uh, but then again, like it was one of those things that we're always like, again, we're always so busy, like with everything that was going on in life, you know. Like it was, uh, yeah. it was kind of one of those things that, like, it was, um, there was always such a big gap between our releases and stuff, even gigs and stuff like that for us, you know. It's only in the last kind of couple of years that life has actually quieting down a bit for most of us you know it's, which is kind of nuts like because we've been going for a while now you know yeah and um, was it just the the time old story of like balancing work and music and, and family yeah. okay okay so we all fell into that track. with bass players over the years as well yeah that's true as well like so you know okay. members was an issue as well yeah yeah because right. like um yeah it was always like um it kind of, yeah, it was always kind of bouncing between bass players for a while there as well, like, and stuff like that. And it was kind of like every time you'd have a good run, someone would else would leave and you'd kind of have to pick everything back up again. And course, that happened yeah. quite a lot kind of on and off. So it was kind of a bit starty-stoppy as well. Yeah, the whole idea then of just self-producing and getting your own stuff out there and, and being in control of your own music, was that really important for you or were you trying to get... Uh, yeah, record label. I, I always felt it was anyway like I would have way rather just bring something out that I loved rather than anyone else loved you know yeah, like okay. I, I was I'm kind of always my number one biggest fan when it comes to like, uh, <laughs> the albums you know so yeah. I always just rather write stuff that I really really like and 10 people listen to it than to become like one of these huge bands that you're right you're playing stuff that you're not interested in playing at all mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you'd be looking at Primordial there and seeing yeah. how well they've done all over Europe, yet they can't even get radio play in Ireland, which is mental. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, we're yeah. we're actually only saying that, like, even with the, you know, with the with Spotify, you can kind of see who's listening to you from which countries and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. And it's always, it's always never Ireland. Like, you know, it's like we get a handful of listens to Ireland, but it's mostly like, you know, Germany and Germany. America and Finland and Mexico for some reason yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. Massive like, scene in Mexico. Yes. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Uh, we seem to get a lot of hits from there as well, like, and stuff like that. So it's always, it's, you, but you kind of get used to that as well. Like, you know, you kind of know at this stage that like, that's kind of the way it is. So, but, um, but yeah, it's like Primordial would be, yeah, there was a there was a great article with Alan in one of the paper in newspaper at one stage that he was talking about that and he kinda of knocked the nail in the head pretty well. Like mm, they're 
just not represented um, yeah. here. It's it's crazy. Oh, it's um, amazing to see, like, even though, you know, the, the gig's selling out, though, you know, like the past good few gigs they've played here, they have sold out and stuff like that. So at least there is... There is a big following here, but kind of moved into this kind of legacy type of band now, isn't it? Really, yeah, that's like true enough. Yeah, it's strange. Like, because I mean, we went to see him in Limerick with uh, Death the Leveler, oh, and Brigantia. The three then played in Dolan's Man. What a gig, lads! Mm, it yeah. was so good, and a lot of the old heads came out for it, which was yeah. great. It made for some brilliant conversations throughout the night. Yeah, there's a lot of these lads wouldn't normally support the metal scene in general locally but when primordial are in town yeah they're going <laughs> that's always great to see though yeah it's like i find that actually what you just said there about like great conversations i find that since lockdown as well like i've been at a load of gigs over the past kind of couple of months and stuff like yeah. that and you just spent you just keep running into these people that you haven't seen in about three or four years kind yes. of thing and you, you're nearly talking through the band you couldn't wait to see for like the I past know, three weeks. I know, it's a delicate like balance like that. That's the way it's gone. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to fit in so much conversations and like I'm desperate with phones and stuff like that. Like, you know, I yeah. don't really use them at all to be honest with you. So, you know, it's usually face to face I do all my talk. Yeah, and of course, there's a band playing in the background. But again, how would you meet these people? You see, that's the problem. Like, it's yeah. just, you're trying to... <laughs> Siege for a great example of everybody just coming together and I would say a lot of bands that were playing probably didn't have the audience they expected because everybody's fucking nattering out in the smoking room going, Jesus, yeah. I haven't seen you in ages, what's the crack? And yeah, there's been bad. a lot of that, like, especially in Dolan's, there's just so many parts to Dolan's, do you know what I mean? Like the sound, yeah. there's the upstairs, the, and it does get a bit kind of like, you could lose someone for fucking 40 minutes in there, like, you know, and yes. they'll be right beside you, you know, that kind of way. So, yeah. And I'm just interested there when you were saying at Spotify, when did you more or less kind of accept that that digital side of music is now the norm? Can you remember a certain point or a conversation you both had when, fuck it, lads, we'll have to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of something that just kind of crept on me. And then all of a sudden it was just, something you nearly couldn't live without then because you're just like you're finding out so much new bands all the time and this type of stuff you know but but yeah it was one of those things that crept up in me over the space of a few years maybe and okay. then all of a sudden yeah you couldn't live without it now it's like just the way it is i suppose is, but yeah, yeah it wasn't an overnight thing anyway no because like you're old school like me i mean we, yeah. we had we have to have our physical stuff you yeah. know in our hands you know to buy the cd the cassette even now which is making a comeback and or vinyl obviously but i mean i'm just wondering like for a band like yourselves which album maybe was the one that you went right we mightn't have physical copies of this it'll only be digital can was there, there was a conversation the, like that uh, the in times of desperation album i think was the big one yeah 2017 yeah just um i always <clears throat> always promote with the kind of releases the cer a certain way and you push things and you'd send off, mm -hmm. you know, emails to magazines and stuff okay. like that. But yeah. it was really that album that I realized that just everything had changed, you know, and you kind of had okay. to reteach yourself how to, even a lot of the old black metal zines and stuff like that's were well dead at that stage. And, you know, okay. like a lot of the same, the old contacts that you would have had would be well, they were well gone at that point and stuff like that. It was mm. really around that one that like, uh, I learned a lot of mistakes. So this time around for this album, I reapproached the whole kind of, you know, 
how to how to actually promote an album completely yeah. different again and yeah as you said like yeah completely different to what mm. you know i would have ever done before um, did you ask maybe some bands for advice in relation to how to approach it differently or did you i just just watched a lot of youtube videos <laughs> on how yeah, to promote fine. your band that's perfectly fine and yeah. uh like there was really spent a good bit of time just like in the evenings just watching videos on how to how to promote your band and articles on the articles on my phone and stuff like that on Google kind of it's that's a good thing about it I suppose all this stuff is just so available to you all the time you know yeah. that you can just check this stuff up like whenever you want really you know so it's it's just just c- collecting a lot of information and stuff like that um yeah. and um yeah I so far we're still you were still you were still emailing uh, maybe record labels as well, which which are yeah, we were group. actually happy with the the label that we were on for the last album. You know, they done a okay. good bit for us the last time, so we kind of just I would have rather brought it out with him. And then when we were talking, I sent him an email, and the two of us were chatting about it, and he was perfectly happy to release this one as well because uh, yeah, he sent him the album and he really liked it, and yeah, so it just kind of went from there, you know. Is this Nocturmac in yeah. Finland? Uh, yeah, okay. of course um, she yeah. signed with them in two thousand and seventeen. All right. Yeah, yeah it would have been. Sense. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been around then or two thousand and sixteen. I think it wasn't it. Yeah, and there was like a, yeah, it was. And they have a lot of bands under under roster as well. Uh, yeah. a good variety of it, but predominantly black metal, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's there's even like a. It's it's really kind of. The atmosphere in a lot of the albums that he releases and stuff like that are incredible, you know, like, mm. uh, it's kind of like, um, yeah, even something as simple as even the artworks and stuff like that yeah. in the albums I love. It's that kind of stuff that I always kind of go for anyway. So, yeah, but so um, like, kind of slot on perfectly in that bill, like mm. kind of, we definitely seem to fit perfectly with all the style of bands that he releases. Would you have a lot of contact with maybe fans from Finland or is it, or those? Uh, Norway mostly, that side uh, mostly kind of Germany and stuff like okay. that at, at the moment you know a couple in England as well and stuff like that but then again doing it this long you just kind of gather up people over the you years do. you know like you just yeah. end up friends everywhere yeah. and the approach to this album Drown in Ash when did you start writing for it was it during lockdown maybe or yeah, it would have been wouldn't it probably even before we had started some before Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right, actually. Yeah, it would have been, yeah, probably a bit before lockdown, we started writing it, yeah. And, um, yeah. <laughs> Pretorian, I know that you like poetry as well as reading yeah. books and stuff. So had you a lot of stuff wrote that you were trying to match up with music? Or how did, what way do you No, work? it was kind of the complete opposite, really. Okay. Like, I was, I, I wrote all that, the, nearly all the lyrics for this whole album was wrote completely separate to okay. Hellcracks. It was supposed to be really nothing to do with Hellcracks whatsoever. Okay. But um, it was like, when I was writing a lot of the lyrics and stuff like that, like the older style lyrics that I would have wrote for the album, I just was pretty much just getting nothing out of them. It was just doing nothing for me. Like, it wasn't in any way kind of... Were, were those lyrics more fantasy-based? Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, kind of okay. more battle kind of fantasy kind of, you know, like yeah. uh, little tricklets of history or whatever, you mm. know, and the lyrics were kind of wrote completely separate altogether, you know. It was a conversation mm. with my friend where I was saying like, where they were saying like, I was thinking like, these would be actually probably work as lyrics. And 
you know, she was saying like, you know, well, why don't you just use them as lyrics then? And the more it took a couple of months to decide whether to do it or not. And then, okay. it, then once I did decide, it kind of went with it then. Because, I mean, it is a, a bit of a departure in relation to your older stuff. Yeah. And I suppose it's more personal for you yeah. as well. I think lockdown done that to all of us, really. Yeah. <laughs> Made us look a bit too much inwards. <laughs> <laughs> Had you decided then on where you were going to engineer it and mix and master it? Uh, yeah. John always a good friend of mine. He like playing in a, a different band. I played with Building Prisons with him. He's the bass player and he has okay. his own studio in Cavan, you know. Oh, and, right. Uh, okay. Yeah, we ended up... Um, we ended up doing recordings with him before kind of thing and all. And then um, with like to different bands and stuff like with Building Prisons and with Hellcracks. And with this album, I just kind of love the way he worked and stuff like that. Really laid back. Like, you know, I'd highly recommend him for anyone who's looking yeah. to record, really, to be honest, which he's just a brilliant, brilliant at what he does. Yeah. And um, I think he's produced a band uh, called Dirtbird. They were That's I right. That, yeah. That's he's actually, band. yeah, he's actually the bass player in that band. Ah, yeah. Okay, yeah. because we did one of their songs on the forums, gave him a shout out. Uh, they look pretty cool. I was watching their video a few months back. They yeah. record, they recorded it live in a kind of like a sunroom or something or conservatory. Yeah. But that's yeah, they, them then. Okay, cool. Yeah, kind of has a kind of a, what would you say, like a fight my walk. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, more yeah, peppers, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing, like kind of a bit quite busy in places as well, yeah. like quite technical as well. He did all that album free. Yeah. Wow, yeah. he did some job in it, lads. Yeah. Fantastic. And, um, as I said, like he plays bass in Building Prisons as well as Dirtbird. So like I'd know him very well in that. He just done a fantastic job. Like. And how conscious were you about maybe your sound? Like I think having, having the benefit now of listening to it, you have jumped and progressed a serious amount in relation to the last album, which I thought was fantastic anyway. But like, geez, this is special. Oh, thanks very much. After listening to it now five or six days, like I, I really think it's a contender for one of the albums of the year for me in the Irish metal scene. So fair play to you, lads. Yes, that's brilliant. Thanks very much. Honestly. And so I was just intrigued, like in relation to looking at In Times of Desperation and to the jump that you made with this one. What was the thought process behind it? Yeah, it was very kind of, it was well, more... the, music, the music kind of decided it too. It's slightly, I don't say simpler, more straightforward, but yeah. Was there a conscious decision to make it more simple? No, the songs just ended up that way, but I think the sound dictated that too. Right. So, yeah, Jono helped a lot with shaping the sound. Right, okay. Obviously, we wrote songs, but he helped with shaping the sound. There there was like, yeah, I kind of really wanted to go for more of an icier kind of style guitar for this one as well. Kind of fat at the bottom, but kind of sharper as well. So it's a bit more... Like almost the two guitars layered almost drowned each other out in places, but that's kind of almost what I was looking for. Just, right. you know, not separate notes, but more just of a wall of sound, like, you know, more like kind of post-rock bands that I was listening to a lot of. Very much. Time. Very much yeah. comes through it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like bands like This Will Destroy You and these kind of bands, like been listening to was a serious amount of those over the years, you know, and, and I really wanted to really capture that kind of wall of sound with kind of like with a lot of emotion through it as well yeah especially one thing i feel that we never really done properly before and we done it i feel like we've done it on this album kind of properly it was um like like letting the quiet bits be really 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 quiet and then like the louder bits being when things kick back in being really explosive 
that yeah. was a big thing that like I felt that we never done quiet bits right. <laughs> and I just wanted to kind of really do that properly this time as well. Mm. Oh, you definitely achieved that. Because sometimes bands, there's always the question of originality, isn't there? And the influences yeah. of new music. And what do you do? Like, do you stay true to your own sound or do you develop more? And like, that's what I was wondering in relation to the new album. Was there conversations about are we gone too far no never really to be honest with you it was it was very much like organic yeah yeah we always just write what we want to write like you know and i know it's like fucking kind of selfish for people that followed us for years or you know really wanted to hear the same stuff as we done before but we tend to just really write what we really like to listen to you know and Mm. uh we have such a vast like styles of music that we about listen to and stuff like that that it was kind of, it was very easy to kind of go like, oh, I'm, I'm looking for a guitar sound, you know, like such and such a band. And oh, yeah, yeah. And then we kind of even even something as simple as drum fills and stuff like that. It was kind of like we could really kind of say, oh, like I like the way this is very explosive, but it loses it here. So why don't we do something more like it was really for the songs like. And we're all trivi involved right through. Yeah. Yeah. From yeah, the very true. beginning. Yeah. Class. Class. So I'm going to play the first song off the album. It's called Withered Strands of Existence. I'm just going to play a clip off it. And uh, my talk is true. Maybe a small bit of it then at the end of it. Yeah, sure. just quote these lyrics here and uh, to rewrite those dreadful chapters but the works have been printed I'll settle for less I'll settle for less I'll settle for now and the way when you say that that last few words there I'll settle for now the way the song sweeps you away with that music is fantastic the way we planned that so yeah, maybe just talk was, about that <laughs> yeah that was that was very very much planned <laughs> And uh, yeah, the next bit, the the bit with the music there, especially mm. like it was um, it was a kind of an idea I had at the kind of halfway through the writing where I wrote keyboard parts and we said like 
let's just replace all the keyboard parts in the whole album with vocal patterns, you know, okay. and layered loads and loads of layered kind of vocal patterns, you know, so mm-hmm. those kind of clean vocals, uh, that's a uh, ocean's clean vocals there okay. you're hearing, you know, okay. um, um, yeah, it was it was a plan to just kind of get rid of all the kind of keyboards off the album and just replace them with like kind of the clean vocals, you know. So yeah. I think it really kind of worked well, you know, with the layering of the guitars and stuff like that as well. And it's a fantastic uh, opening track. That was always going to be the opening track. I kind of have to ask that. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of the plan actually from the beginning. I think. Yeah. yeah. And the opening piano is lovely as well. It just sets the tone and then. Off it goes then. Yeah. Tyrant, you don't suffer from ten- tennis elbow or any ailments. <laughs> oh, thankfully not. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the drumming is outrageous in some of this. Um... <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> in, a, in a great way, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so the next song, Drowned in Ash, it's the title track as well. Yeah. Um, why that title? Um, it was just this uh, kind of idea, you know, that I was kind of come up with and I was... Yeah, when I was writing kind of the poem originally, like it was kind of this idea of like, you know, you're kind of living with so much regret and not being able to, you know, you're looking back in your life and and it's just the the fantastic life that you thought you had really wasn't. And, uh, you know, the friends you thought were there are kind of gone and stuff like that, you know. So the idea of Drowned in Ash was this kind of idea of someone kind of going through a, a book of memories or, you know, a book of kind of their life. Yeah. And it kind of, um, yeah, kind of going in flames in front of them and, them, you know, kind of choking on the ashes off it, basically. That was the kind of idea that I was going for, you know. Yeah. Um, and the same with the front cover of the album was the same kind of thing, you know. Mm. Um, but that was the kind of where it originally came from. But I think I only ended up using that drowned an ash line and I yeah. scrapped the rest of it you know <laughs> I kind of just wrote completely different lyrics kind of thing you know yeah because I mean you you're dealing with uh, mental health in it here because it says barely clutching to these diminished strands of stability with nothing but a broken mind with no basis to resume while my mental health declines so yeah so that's fairly personal yeah and I'm sure a lot of people can understand where you're coming from with that and the music then that's just carrying it through is Pretty powerful, pretty yeah. powerful. So we'll play it here. So this is drowned in ash.
it's so hard just to play clips off it. You've no idea. You've no idea how hard it is just to get a little section of it. Like that melodic bass line running through it is, is fantastic, right through. Yeah, that. the bass lines were so busy. And um, but yeah, very simple, but so busy. Like, yeah. you know, Ocean done an amazing job at those. Yeah. I think there's not enough bass players that really take advantage of what's going on, you know, the yeah. space in between the chord changes and stuff. Yeah. Most bands you see have probably two guitarists. <laughs> yeah. And they kind of get lost in the sound sometimes, which is a pity. <laughs> but I mean, certainly not in this album. And I love I'm a bass player myself and I just love that right through the ending of that song is so cool as well with the kind of gregorian like chanting oh yeah, oh yeah 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 again that was originally a keyboard part that was kind of just completely rewrote to do with the vocals basically because yeah that idea of just layering the vocals instead of like um instead of just using because keyboards they can be quite lifeless sometimes the layered vocals i think they just add this another huge kind of wall of emotion to the songs you know and that's exactly it, a wall of emotion but again it's not an obvious thing that you put in that chanting at the end can you remember why you did that it was just yeah it, it was, doesn't matter yeah it was, yeah, it was just really new, like yeah i was kind of new well like you said it was a keyboard piece first okay well once we got the idea to do vocals and keyboards so it just it grew on itself yeah Love it just that. became a natural progression like yeah, and one one of the three of us was kind of like, uh, oh yeah, no, do this layer. Oh no, that doesn't work. Yeah, try this one. Yeah, that works. And there was a lot of that as well, yeah. you know. Like yeah. it was, but it was like, yeah, we're jumping around like children here, <laughs> trying to get, you know, trying to get it right. Yeah, just the building blocks, like of the song. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but absolutely thrilled with the way it ended up sounding. Yeah, oh, fuck it, big time. The next song is where the dead things are, and that's the single. Yeah. Was it the obvious choice? It was possibly the only song that would have worked as a single, like out of all the songs, do you know? Oh, I don't know like, about that. I disagree. Go on anyway, tell me why. <laughs> yeah, I just, um, it had, it just had a bit of everything in it, you know, and it was kind of, it was fast and punchy at the start and it yeah. kind of grabbed the listener's attention and, you mm. know, but it's always hard because the whole album was nearly wrote as a song, supposed to separate songs do you know what i mean really? it was nearly wrote okay. as kind of one journey from start to finish right. so trying to pick one song was close to impossible it was either ice cold winds or where the dead things run mm. and um i think that just won really didn't it yeah and um there's some fantastic melodies through it and tempo changes uh, so i'm gonna play it there and i'll just talk to you then a small bit about the lyrics uh okay so this is where the Dead things roam free.
that's incredible lads that's some song in fairness uh, again perfect marriage of the clean vocals and the harsh vocals yeah black dead fingers grips me and drags me as the cold earth comforts me yet smothers me and the clean vocals i think then add to that despair a long incense for black slumber a ship wrecked devoured by a desolate sea to exist without reason and take my place where did things roam free yeah brilliant well done man great lyrics as well no thanks a million yeah can you remember vividly how that whole section fitted in and then bringing the clean vocals which i presume are oceans is it Oh, that those vocals there were my ones uh, that okay. time. Yeah, okay. right. Um, okay. Most of the clean vocals actually were his, you know. Um, right. That particular one was mine that time. Yeah. So maybe so, just talk yeah. about why you swapped. Oh well, we just uh, we just kind of went with it, really. Yeah, it was just kind of a decision at the time, like because uh, whoever's in better for whatever part. Of yeah, that was, that was pretty there. much it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's all. It's always just about like bringing out the using the absolute best thing that you can you know to get the point across and i think yeah. even geez if you wrote a song that just had guitars and bass and the drums made it sound worse i just leave the drums out i wouldn't kind of fit it in just to make it work or whatever okay. i just i just think it was just the best choice at the time really i think that was the decision i mean you've got 2132 views of it up to today on youtube that's mental it's only a week. Yeah, it's only a week. <laughs> Fucking hell. That's mental. It is, yeah. It's fantastic. So people are getting to hear it, man. And I love the picture. Who did the picture of the wolf on the... Oh, that's uh, Tara there. All right, okay. Did you take yeah. that picture? Ne actually, nearly nearly all the photography off the album was nearly taken off. And like, it was kind of dark, desolate woods and black and white photos. Yeah, it was loads of photos that... um was taken as he was going out walking his dog and stuff like that. And like, loads of the photos just ended up being so cool I was kind of like we should totally use these for the album you know <laughs> it fits in totally with the black metal kind of template yeah. anyway of woods and wolves and yeah it's great okay so then we have a little music interlude was that just a kind of a, a bridge for the listener to take a breather or what like can you remember yeah it, it was pretty much because the, I felt I felt kind of when we were writing it that the last three songs they're lyrically and everything were kind of different to the first three songs, okay. you know? Yeah. And I, I kind of felt that like, it'd be just so cool to kind of have almost split the album in half at the time, you yeah. know, I kind of, we had this whole conversation about it, like, but I was thinking like, you know, something, it'd be so cool to just do something really. And <clears throat> at the time we were writing that piano thing anyway, mm. like we we're just sticking around with it. <laughs> And it was just kind of like um, it ended up just being one of those things. It was just like, yeah, like this, this, this actually sounds really kind of cool, and it could really, really work in the the center of the album. Yes. Like it's kind of dark enough and dark enough, but it has kind of slightly a positive kind of feel yeah. to it as well. Yeah. Ish. I, I described it as a bridge between the two sets of songs, you know, on either side, yeah. and it's it's perfect. And I admire you for doing that. It's really, really cool. So the next song then is Ice Cold Winds. I'll give that a play.
again, as I said, it's so hard just to take clips out of each song. They're so good. Uh, the BPM of drums, turret at the start of that. What what was it? Jesus, can you remember at this stage? That's an impression of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, um, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I think it's fastest we've ever recorded. Yeah, I think it was actually. How do you approach yeah. that? Like, lots and lots of practice. <laughs> There's no way to cheat that kind of stuff. You just have to do it. So it's just practice, practice, practice. Wow, fucking hell, that's insane. And there was no uh, program drums put in at any stage, right through the album. No, no. Jesus Christ, that's incredible. Because, like, if you did say, yeah. I would be kind of going fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Mental. Okay, so we're coming up now to... Now, there is... At the moment, because it's still early days for me, but, like, where the dead things roam free, it's one of my favourites, but this track, Cease, it's absolutely class. This is a, a great song for me, and uh, we'll give it a listen. wait to see that live is that going to be one of those ones that are on your live set i'd say so yeah it's definitely one of the ones that i think was more suited for live you know like the rest of the songs are so kind of introspective or something like Mm. that that i think they nearly work better lying at home in your bed like you know that kind (laughs) of a way but i think there was something about this song particularly it just was angry and nasty and dirty and yeah I loved it and it gives me a vibe and you might laugh at this but I hear The Mission the band The Mission oh yeah yeah just with the guitar and the the bass line going through it as well and ah, yeah class love it yeah I know there was um, there was loads of bits like the clean kind of the pick and note parts and stuff yeah like I was really thinking like that like you know it'd be great with really slow drums and stuff like that and that was one that um Tara decided like 
no, 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 we'll just do a skank over it. Like, you know, yeah. like, so leave the notes kind of ringing and stuff like that. And like, so I'm barely playing anything and he's just going really bad. It was like, yeah, it was just the second I heard it. I was like, oh, that's fucking perfect. Yeah, yeah. we'll definitely do that then, yeah. you know? Yeah, and the lyrics are a bit weird. All right, on this one, it's Black Locust spreads its wings, the serpent choir sings, we're in the final years and cease existence. So that's a bit more like your older type yeah this this one was yeah this one was definitely a bit more like older kind of it was probably the only track on it that it was very much like the old kind of style of lyrics and as well as that like this was this was a perfect example of what i was saying earlier where and we tried it with my vocals and it just turned out like uh, oceans kind of more death metal vocals just sounded so much better so we just said yeah no you're singing this song i'll just do the high parts to kind of emphasize the kind of heavier vocals but it was a perfect example of that just going for the best thing for the song yes best thing for the album and the last track fucking hell in dark woods and dreams what a way to end the album we'll play it first and maybe you can talk us through it then much going on with that as well uh yeah <laughs> showcasing all your talents lads absolutely amazing song to end the album and you know those lyrics like jesus like i mean they they do hit us hit a part in you that you're kind of going uh for a moment i was improving for a moment i was feeling strong for a moment i wanted to stay here and in a moment i lost it all again so it's that kind of team running through the album lyrically wise isn't it yeah there's loss despair but there's still hope there probably playing through the music more than the lyrics yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that went a bit dark now a bit darker than we're meant to but yeah yeah it was something that i wasn't really planning to use for hell cracks but then it just kind of worked okay. so fuck it you know just make the best album you can supposed to 
leaving things kind of the title of the the last track in the dark woods and dreams maybe just talk yeah it was it was just mainly about like those places where you feel safe and you can kind of protect yourself as i said like throughout the lyrics as well like um in that song like you know you're talking about trying to kind of numb yourself and kind of put on a false face to the public and uh hide your depression as much as you can you know Mm. yeah i think that's kind of that's kind of what that song really kind of stemmed from yeah and then the music then is so uplifting yeah it's amazing and brilliant it was really kind of like just a lot of the kind of riffs in it were very much really traditional kind of black metal style like you know those kind of bands like kind of early dark throne or like some of the satanic war master kind of style riffs and these kind of bands that like uh just that real traditional raw black metal but just have kind of again like a wall of sound like and also have kind of the fast gank over it to kind of create that kind of what what's the word i'm looking for like trancey kind of feeling yeah. i suppose a real trance kind of feeling to over overlaying the whole song as well yeah and turret uh, the pace of that particular song was there any difficult moments for you drumming wise that you were kind of conflicted over no i suppose going from it's a fairly fast song until the breakdown yes. but that tempo change like we've, we've actually played a song live a fair few times now okay yeah it's, it's, it's the longest the oldest song on the album knocking around now so oh really that tempo change is hard to nail just right but yeah. once you settle into the groove it's you just relax into it then yeah <laughs> Because um, actually, that was the first song we played on the Siege of Limerick, walking on stage kind of thing. So it's always a, it's always good, has good atmosphere to it, really good flow to it as well. Yeah. And, you know, it just kind of works really well mm. live, I think. Playing those tracks live, you will probably need a second guitarist. Yeah, I'd oh, say so, definitely. Would... Yeah. So where are you in relation to that, especially with the release now coming up on the... And is it the 30th of September? Yeah. No, no real gigs kind of until next year or this stage, I think. So yeah. we have a bit of time to okay. find the right person, I think. So if you're Listen. watching, give the lads a shout. Yeah, that's uh, it. Do. Yeah, do definitely. <laughs> Make this a job advertisement. What key traits yeah. do they need? <laughs> Good sense of humour anyway, first of all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a big one. <laughs> We need smiles here in Cavan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And preferably living near enough to that you can actually meet up and stuff. So that's yeah. that's the issue. There isn't too many, a lot of musicians, but not too many metalheads in this neck of the woods, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. Sure. Look, as I said, there's there's also lads doing double duties with other bands. So I'm sure. Yeah. If you were really stuck, that that could be an option for you to explore. Oh yeah. Yeah, we have a couple of friends, even even like um. Even uh, Peter out of Building Prisons was saying, like, if we really needed a guitarist to set in, he'll just do it any time, you know, yeah. or whatever. So it is it is kind of, we have options there. Of course, I'd always just like another member, though, you know, someone who you can actually write music with. Mm. And um, What about a release this strong? Jesus, lads. <laughs> I don't think he should have any problems, especially when it hits the general public. It's so good. It's really, it's blown my mind. So much. Honestly, it has. And um, so you don't think you have any gigs coming up that you can say at the moment? There's one in uh, Germany in Berlin in March of next year. OK. And um, that's the only one that's booked in. And I'm talking to uh, talking to three other promoters in Germany at the moment. So we're going to set up some, some, 
stuff for next summer, I'd say, realistically. Right. Okay. But um, yeah, I'd say that's but pretty much that's it, to be honest yeah. with you. I really haven't pushed it too hard. Like, well, so this year, because music's back with a bang, I think everything's been booked up. So That's very much true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is great to see, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Great, the, the light of the gigs are back, but... And people buying yeah. tickets like three years ago ah, and only sure. seeing the I band like fucking a month <laughs> fucking ago. You know, it's, missed out, which... it's just been insane. I still have a fucking Judas Priest and Ozzy Osbourne ticket. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah Jesus Christ. Yeah. Just too many tickets bought and then losing track of these rescheduled gigs the whole yeah. time. Crazy. I know usually most years you'd already kind of you kind of decide what gigs like are, you know, you're going to go to or something. But it was like there was a few people like Alanis Morissette and people like that yeah. that I literally found out on the night by people putting it up in their stories on Instagram and stuff that she was even playing. Yeah. And I didn't know about it at all. I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> how did that one get under the radar? <laughs> but yeah, it was a case of like her meant to be playing like fucking three years ago. Yeah. Everyone bought their tickets, but it happened to way too many gigs. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Like, And have you a solo album still in the works for Torian? Yeah, the the Oedicus one actually were just, were, were kind of, well, we, we're not really, we were, we were kind <laughs> of half, <laughs> we were, we're working on it for a couple of months. And then, uh, yeah, we just kind of, we've just, it's went on the back burner, but that has a couple of, yeah, we've a good few songs ready for that. Like, Excellent. you know, that's, it'll, again, though, that's something that we just love doing. Like it, if we're working on it for another 10 years and it's never released, <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah. It's more just, I really love the, you know, really love the writing side of it. Yeah. Tirrit loves the, um, the mixing and uh, recording the whole thing and, He's got so many new programs that um, <clears throat> he's wanting to figure out how to work. So I'm a great guinea pig for him, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. So the album is coming out, Drown and Ash, on September the 30th. What format can we expect? CD it's coming out on. It's coming out all digital and stuff, like all the, oh, all the usual. Oh, fucking getting spots, it on CD. You know, Thank and, you. Thank you um, for thinking about the old folks. Fair play to you, lads. Yeah. <laughs> I know you need a physical CD. Yeah, yeah that's great news yeah. for me anyway. That's coming out on CD. So it'll be out on digital. There'll be a line of merch with it. Yeah, we got... T-shirts are on the way. They're vault like loads of new patches printed, stickers printed, badges printed. We've okay. everything pretty much here, but we're just kind of waiting. It's all uh, it's all up in Bandcamp, but we're still okay. just kind of waiting until the charity to really yes. start pushing it with the album okay. and stuff like that. But uh, the T-shirts are on the way, and we've gotten a couple of other prints that we want to get kind of done as well. Like so, there'll be kind of a couple of T-shirts this time around. Yeah, well, this episode will be out on the thirtieth anyway, the day of the album launch. So yeah. So anything else that you want to say, be sure to don't leave it out now, lads. <laughs> yeah, just no, I think I've waffled enough. <laughs> I'm sick of I'm sick of my own voice at this stage. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. no, there's nothing else I can think like, just you know, your, part, to your, part to yourself, of course, like thanks a million for doing this. Really appreciate yeah. it. Like it's brilliant. I'm you know? glad I can promote this because, as I said, congratulations. Lads. This is a contender for the Irish Metal Album of the Year, in my opinion. Yeah, Thank that's that's amazing to hear. Yeah. Thanks so much. You've knocked yeah. it out of the park. And, uh, so check out Eternal Hellcorax on Bandcamp. Would that be the easiest place to find you? Uh, Spotify, 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 of course. YouTube yeah. and yeah. all those kind of yeah, usual all kind of places. Yeah. Praetorian and Turret, thanks a million for coming on the show. Crucially, everybody, support your local metal scene. And check out Eternal Hell Carax's new album, Drone and Ashes, coming out the day of this show, September the 30th. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Thank you very much. Man. Cheers. Cool.